I find a pen and paper as simple as that is just helps you go, what is it? Write it down, point form, black and white. It's more of just being content and knowing who we are, being confident in who we are as an individual and bringing that uniqueness to the table. Think of yourself just constantly as, nobody can be better than me because I'm the only me. Welcome back to the Bold Artist Podcast. I'm delighted to have Melissa Nasby of Soul Fiber, professional puppet maker and fiber artist and the one who calls herself a professional mess maker. She's on the show for a part two. Melissa and I spoke last week and we had a really vibrant conversation about what keeps her creative, what were the steps between falling in love with fiber and becoming the most genius puppet maker that you can see the puppets here on YouTube right behind her. She is just so creative and full of life in what she does. We had the conversation of her journey and a little bit about the obstacles that Melissa has faced along the way, including ADHD, which has definitely impacted and played a role in the artist that Melissa is today. So welcome back to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much. I am so thrilled to be talking to you once again. As we mentioned in the last episode, you and I are actually personal friends. We get to live in the same city and I've gotten to see your journey firsthand. And I have to say, Melissa is just one of the most genius artists that I know, full of creativity and such a delight to have you here on the Bold Artist Podcast. A lot of our listeners are painters and pursuing different mediums than you, but your story and the challenges that you face have definitely, uh, the, you have something that resonates with all of us. Like your story is like part of the story of all artists overcoming challenges. And in last episode, you talked to us about removing barriers and just learning to play, learning to explore. So let's pick up where we left off there, Melissa. What are some of the barriers that you've encountered that you, you've you had to figure out how to, to get through these obstacles in your life as an artist? Well, that's a great question. And we all have them, you know, whatever they are and how some people may only have a tiny little barrier, but it, it, it's a block for them. So... I call them blocks in my own world because with ADHD, they're very real. It's like mm -hmm. a roadblock, a wall. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so for people without ADHD, it just could be fear, usually yeah. fear of, uh, of wasting time or not being good enough or being accepted that those kinds of normal fears we all have. Um, when, when you're putting your work out there, it's very personal. You know, um, some people are very good at separating their work from their heart, but I am not. Mm -hmm. uh, I put my heart and soul into everything I do, and therefore I need to be proud of it. And I need to love it. I need to be interested on a real level. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the roadblocks are, are you doing things that aren't making you happy? Are you doing it just to make money? If, if Remove the money then for, for a moment and practice for a bit and say, is this still bringing me the same amount of joy or more? Um, it Was it the money component of it that was uh, stifling your creativity? Um, or do you feel rejected if it doesn't sell and therefore feel you're not good enough? There's all these awful things that go through, I think, every creative's mind when you hand make something with your own mind and hands, you, you put it out there for the world to judge, mm, right? Yeah. And 
that becomes very difficult for a lot of people. So therefore, they either stay in one thing where they they did receive good praise over and they're very proud of it. So they stay in that comfort zone and they don't continue to play and experiment because they're like, well, I'm good at this. So I found it. Here I go. And that may be the case. You could be the best there is. But that could just be the tip of the iceberg of your potential. So to me, it's this constant, it's fed by ADHD. Um, it's ADHD is both a block and a superpower. So it's hard to um, really fully understand if you don't know someone with ADHD and yeah, see Yeah, so it. can you take a quick minute, uh, sorry to interrupt there, but maybe just um, give us like the nutshell version of how an artist can, or like if an, there's artists listening that don't suffer with any form of ADHD or don't know anyone, how can we simply understand what what it actually is? Okay, so as very simply, it is, it's called a t- attention deficit disorder um, or hyperactive disorder. I, I, it was the H, I have ADHD. So I have the hyperactive component, which, you know, in my life, it's mostly a good thing, but it can burn me out. Uh, so uh, we are all in. We're the people who are just 110 miles an hour or you won't see us at all. So there's a, there's a no, no, no medium zone for, you'll even hear it in my voice and you'll be like, wow, you're so much all over the place compared to what people call me animated and, and loud. And, and I'm all these things, um, that for my life, you try and sort of bring yourself a little smaller and a little quieter and, and you just can't. ADHD is an energy and, and it's an inability to, um, we lack executive dis, um, function, okay? So executive defun- uh, dis- dysfunction. <laughs> We're oh following. It's all good. <laughs> I see. Speaking is hard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, executive function is when um, we have the knowledge in all of our brain. We know we consume a great amount of knowledge. We, we're sort of addicted to it. It's, it's, it's adrenaline for us. But then executing what we've learned is very difficult. For us it's the communication between the two sides of the brain where you um you know how to do it you want to do it but doing it is the problem so i have found the things that bring me joy in order to execute because i have to be excited about that outcome and that's why i have to take jobs that excite me and and that's why i don't fit into a a nine to five sort of office type environment is because I'm not stimulated enough. I'll be bored, I'll be zoning out. I can't, you know, I have to believe in whatever it is I'm doing or at least be excited about it um, so that I can focus and execute those ideas in my head. So you have Um, managed your ADHD as an artist. You have managed it so well because you've figured out all of these ways that you tick and then you've brought it into your realm. You've chosen the medium, you've chosen the diversity within that medium. You've just done done uh, such good, smart moves and steps <laughs> to well, manage your- it never your... felt like that, but yes. Well, no, I see it. We all see it, Melissa. Your work shows, your work shows it, that you have managed it well. And yet there's, there's people, whether it- Perhaps it's not ADHD that they, they're struggling with, but they're struggling with other blocks. Do you have any tricks or tips for how to like identify that block and then make it work for you? You're so good at making it work for you. 
Well, thank you, first of all, for that, because I don't feel like that ever, um, honestly. So um, I think what it is, is once I identify the block, and that really does come from the practice of being honest with yourself, right? We all, you know, we're our own biggest liars in our own minds, right? Mm -hmm. We're always trying to protect our own uh, self from any form of rejection or failure. Um, So we have this built-in, all of us, ADHD or not, have this built-in resistance uh, to want to put ourselves out there and fail. But what I find is when I identify that, um, like I said, with putting off live streaming, for example, this has been a big block for me. I don't want to admit how long I've been putting it off, but it's a long time. And I identify it. So once it's like a stage of stages of you know, grief Mm -hmm. almost where you're like, okay, you're in denial for a bit. And then you, right, you have to go through these processes with your own self. But the more you do it, the more quickly you start to recognize you're in that pattern. And then I know what to do once I hit that marker, right? So Mm -hmm. once I know, oh, I've been making a lot of excuses about this, then I start to look at, okay, let's look at this in black and white, get out a pen and paper and say, or you could trust your partner or whoever, you know, your best friend or your partner to say to you, do you feel like I've been putting this off, you know, or, or why is it, do you think I don't want to, uh, join that guild or go to the gallery or, or, or whatever it is that's holding you back. And then I have an honest, uh, discussion with myself and I say, okay, well, you're scared. You're going to say something stupid. You're going to look stupid. Those are my fears because it's amplified by ADHD because with ADHD comes anxiety. And and I do say my mouth runs off faster <laughs> than my brain can keep up. And that's it, it's funny because, you know, some people are just like that. But I'm really, really, I know I'm like that. I know I'm going to say something. <laughs> so it's it it's real. But then I thought, well, if I'm out there and telling people that th- this is the way I am, then maybe they'll have a little bit of understanding. And I'm starting to say, okay, then if that's my block... I'm going to come out with it on my stream to say, hey, guys, I'm an artist and I'm Melissa, but I I have ADHD. So you're going to see me do some weird things backwards or say something before I've thought about it. But this is me and I still make great things and I still have lots to offer. So I identify the block and I have that hard conversation with myself and I find a pen and paper as simple as that is just helps you go, what is it? Write it down, point form, black and white. And then... You say to yourself, okay, is this something that I should give up or move on because this block is is never going away? Or is there ways that I can start either move that block to the side, tear it down completely? And then sometimes I engage friends or family members to help and say, have I been doing this? Mm -hmm. I almost need a a check person, you know? Mm -hmm. That's such, such good advice. And I, I got thinking as you were describing this, Melissa, how unique of a person you are. You are truly unique, one of a kind. And everything you make, all the puppets that I'm seeing behind you, everything you touch and make is so unique. And I think that one of your gifts is just like helping people and helping artists even understand that it's okay to be different and it's okay to be unique. And you're just bringing, when you do, you know, hit, when you hit go on that that live streaming, you're just going to be bringing you, bringing your uniqueness, which is such a treasure. And 
I feel that there's so many artists who are just holding back, really bringing themselves into their art and embracing all the parts of themselves that would make their art unique. And, you know, just speaking of unique art for a moment and bringing ourselves to it, we ended part one of the podcast with you just talking about how your secret sauce is play and how you have been a professional mess maker. You've had to make a lot of messes to discover what you love and that you said something to me. Maybe you can say it again if I can kind of like remember the gist is that you said something like we have to be as dedicated to making a mess as we are to the art and that we develop the skills while we play. Can you just recap that a little even though we mentioned it last week. And then let's let's dive in a little bit further. So like this whole thing about play, I want to just like find out what's so what what's so unique and how we find our uniqueness and our style through play. Yeah, I think your viewers especially will really find it beneficial to to have this moment where they they look at their art and they say, first of all, are you thrilled? Are you happy? Are you totally there? Because some people just get there and they're there and they know their spot. They're they're there. They're in their element. And we're not saying you have to necessarily keep going either, right? Or for, but when you're when you're just sort of feeling like I'm I'm in this repetition mode and I'm doing the same thing or I've become a slave to the dollar or uh, you know I I'm I'm just constantly making what other people want me to make. Um, there's a part of you if you're a creative being that just has to just be creative to for yeah. the sake of being creative yeah. and removing that end game. I have personally experienced that where I felt like I just needed to make to make and it didn't need to make sense and I don't need to explain it. I just need to make it. (laughs) You know, there's been times that I've made something or done something or created some kind of project for myself that people will scratch their heads and say, why are you doing that? And I'll say, I don't have a reason. Not your business. (laughs) I just wanna, I just wanna do it. (laughs) And that's how a lot of creative people tick. But, But I think that is what makes us unique. And when you can bring out the the desire, like when you can match I, the desire that I want to make this to skill and to all the experiment and play, there is something even more unique that comes out of it. Like you're not just making cookie cutter art or paint by number. You are really bringing what's on the inside out. Absolutely. And joining with other people. Other creatives, because they think in a totally different way than you think. And while you're both wonderful and talented and creative beings, you you very much think differently than every other human on the planet. So we we need to explore those differences Mm. because that may ignite something in you that brings a level to your art that you never even imagined. And I, I feel like people get tunnel vision when it's um, their art form, then, then they're like, well, I only foil, follow oil painters and I only because I'm an oil painter. And that's well, we're, we are taught a lot about niching down. That is something that's really taught, like just, you know, 
art leaders, gurus, even on YouTube, when you're, you're a content creator, they talk about niching and being really laser focused. And there is value, as you mentioned in, in episode one, there's value in mastering and being focused, but it doesn't always work for everyone. And it doesn't work when you're in the mode of experimenting and playing where you have to like open up to other realms and, and other mediums to like just get experience and exposure. But tell me how, again, like, so you, you were saying that it's like we get too tunnel visioned. And, and so do you feel like a niche or like picking your element can become too tunnel visioned? Um, for me, again, from my perspective, it does. It just makes me uh, already have a panic attack because I, I could never be so focused on one thing. Yes. It's just it's it's just me. But for yes. those that can, I mean, it's great. But you're never just we're not stagnant beings, right? Our minds are constantly in need of of new stimuli. So even if it's something as minor as breaking out of your normal color palettes or, you know, we're not talking you have to go, you know, build something out of wood tomorrow because you're you're an oil painter. No, that's not what we mean by diversifying and and playing and experimenting. It's just for the the actual dopamine it provides your brain to to get excited about something, feel different things in your hands, play, get dirty, get messy, and then Focus back onto your art and see what now, if you're looking through it uh, through a different lens, you know, from the things you've learned, can you now have the idea of that little thing that was missing, you know, or again, it it can be such a small scale that that um, realm of creativity that you you shift in. It can all still be within oil painting, let's say. I I keep using that as an example, but um, I don't want to exclude watercolor artists or anyone else. Um, but if you, there's so many amazing things you can do by bringing in another element into your watercolor painting or your oil painting. So whether that just is a new product or a new color palette or a new way to, uh, you know, display it, a, a different st- type of canvas. I mean, just to explore and open Push your, your boundaries. Mind yeah. To, yeah. To just to, to reach a new level that you didn't even know existed. And it is creatives who constantly pave new ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we're not out there trying it, then it isn't happening. So give yourself that permission to to try new things, whether you have an end goal in mind or not. We're taking a brief intermission in today's episode to thank Bold School for creating this podcast, to give artists voices and a place to learn bold color art and painting in Bold School. In Bold School, we have a vibrant online community, mentorship, support, challenges, and online classes to equip you not only in skill, but in being a wholehearted artist. Make sure that you hop on our newsletter list on boldschool.com to find out more about being a bold artist with Bold School. So Melissa, I have two more questions for you. And and uh, one is about the creative realm and then the other I want to circle background because I have one more question about creativity and ADHD but um first you as I mentioned are so unique and what you do like no one else in our town does this in our city no one else that I know for like miles and miles like there is a community of you out there who are 
who are in the fiber arts and specifically niching into puppetry and costumes and these large-scale sculptures that you have mastered. But you are really unique, even among your peers. Now, I have an interesting question for you. Being that you're so unique, do you still look around at other creatives and feel like competitive or the feeling like um, maybe insecure in what you do? And and if you do have those feelings, what do you do uh, to combat or get over the blocks of like the we often talk about the intimidation that's out there in in the art world or in the creative world where you look out and you feel uh less than or inferior and afraid to truly be yourself have you ever encountered that and then what do you do about it oh every day (laughs) every day i i think again that's when you're feeling so vulnerable putting something handmade out there I think it's completely normal and healthy to to really feel that vulnerability and think okay well but you also have to say to yourself well some people aren't gonna like it just because you know you can't please everyone they don't, some people don't have good taste. <laughs> so <laughs> I like to think that one all the time. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't like it, I, it's, it's their fault, not mine, right? But <laughs> you you really, um, it, it's, it is hard. It, it, it's a learned skill, right? Like anything else, you, you must overcome that. So I often, against my own will, will set myself up to expose myself to a situation like that on purpose. So whether that's seeking someone who you know is a better artist than you, or you feel is a better artist than you, um, and, and reach out to them or, or collaborate. A collaboration is the greatest tool. It can be very stressful if you're not in sync with the, the person you select to collaborate with. But oftentimes you'll find they bring a level to your thinking that you've never experienced because you're not them. You reminded me of something. You and I have collaborated before, and I've mentioned it here on the Bold Artist Podcast, I believe. But it was when I was sculpting, and I sculpted a wolf face, and you took the wolf sculpture, and you did this, the other half, like one half stayed ceramic, and the other half stayed, or like you created a wool sculpture on the other half, and we sold it in a gallery. I remember that. That was, yeah, was eons ago. And again... That was an area I would have never ventured into on my own had I had not meshed with your creative vibes, right? And that was an, it was an amazing piece and it, it really sold was. right away. It so really was, again, yeah. I think your the, the customers or buyers or clients do know when they're looking at something so unique mm-hmm. and you bring that up a lot. Unique is a niche because there are so many people who just go, oh, that sells, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm going to make that. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. We all have to earn a living. I get it. I fully get it. It's just that I can't, that's not my thing because I will never be rich. I will never, ever, maybe when I'm dead, but um, I can't do it for money, right? That can't be my motivation. So, but if I'm looking to someone who's a better artist than me and I look up to them, uh, like I do you, like everything you touch and is is magic in in my eyes and then i think oh and you think that of me and then Mm -hmm. okay if we join those energies together Mm -hmm. it's unbeatable untouchable Mm -hmm. by anyone else because 
we are both two very unique artists and yes. it doesn't mean oh you're better or i'm better or worse it it's more about think of yourself just constantly as nobody can be better than me because i'm the only me exactly. right i love that 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 is actually the approach that i try to take and it's not it's not a form of pride or arrogance it's more of just being content and knowing who we are and being confident in who we are as an individual and bringing that uniqueness to the table and um and so you perfectly answered that question i know i was i was like what's the secret sauce to knowing you're unique and how how do you face it when you feel intimidated by the other creatives out there and you brought it back around once again melissa to you know yourself so well and you know yourself that you put yourself in the face of the challenge and you say i am intimidated and so i'm going to purposely collaborate with them or i'm going to purposely reach out or i'm going to put myself in a situation to expose myself to get stronger and that is what one thing only one of the things that i love about you that you know yourself so well to set yourself up for success you you look at your blocks and you say, how do I get over them? And I'm going to set myself up to to succeed. And, you know, I, I got to tour your studio to a small degree. I don't think I went downstairs because you have a lot of space dedicated to your art. <laughs> but I was in the upstairs. And one of the things that I noticed and, and we had had a brief conversation about was that you set yourself up and, and correct me if I've like if I'm painting the wrong picture here, but you set yourself up with these stations where you have like this project happening over here and then over on the other side, you'll have something else happening. And then you'll have these different like little pockets or little stations to your studio. And I was asking you about it and you said, well, because of my ADHD, I need to have different spaces to like when my brain switches modes, I go to a different space and I have this space as like my do it quickly kind of between things. And then this one's my like really focused space. And you you have actually learned of yourself how to set up your space to be the most productive for your own attention span. Am I am am I remembering this correctly? It's so perfect. It's exactly. And I I understand that a lot of people don't maybe they don't have the space. I'm at the I'm at the age where my children are adults and have moved out. So, yes, I I've fully taken over the rest of the entire house to create these little areas because I know that that's how I'm the most productive. Mm. And the the downside of ADHD for me is if I don't feel like I've made something or made progress or created something yes. that day, I get real down on myself and real, uh, there's a lot of negative talk that comes with it. It's, it's this burning underlying um, anxiety that I'm like, well, you're not, you're not producing as fast as this other artist, or you're not, you know, uh, what have you been doing with your time? You know, I, I feel this constant need to produce and, and feel like I've accomplished something. So that I also have learned appeases my nerves, right? I need to be productive. So in order to do that, I realized I can't just be productive in one thing. Remember that sh that's bad for my brain. One thing, one focus is, is a bad recipe for me. So if I'm able to set up these projects all around where I can burn out my dopamine on one, I get to a point where I'm either exhausted or I have no more new ideas. I walk away from that one and straight to another one. And it can be in a totally different medium. 
But that allows my brain to relax, reset creatively. I stop thinking about uh, the other project that was giving me a bit of, you know, a challenge or whatnot. And it's no different than, you know, get fresh air, go for a walk. That what, All of the good things they tell just regular folks to do when, you know, you're getting tired or burnt out. And I just know that I need to keep going, though. There's no kind of shut-off dial for me. I'm, um, I'm awake or I'm asleep. And <laughs> those are the modes. <laughs> and when I'm awake, it's, right, it's go, 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 and it's produced. And then that keeps all the negative energy away where, uh, what'd you do today, or feeling lazy or or uh, uh, those are the negative thoughts I get with um, ADHD so I need to do this and I've set it up where okay now at all times I've got headdress on the go over here I got a puppet on the go over there and a sculpture and then that way each one as I walk up to it fresh and new reignites all Mm -hmm. of those awesome feelings you know all the awesome vibes that you want to have when you come to a project fresh right yes Yes, I was I was just really struck by the fact that you knew yourself so well that you would set yourself up with like the, these success stations. You know, like you just knew my brain's going to switch modes and I'm just going to get through my productive day moving from station to station, which is brilliant. And something I actually think about and implement, and I know I'm in a different realm or different mediums than you, but I think about that and I'm like, okay, this is what I do. When my brain is done, I'm going to move over here. And so I learned from you in that realm. And so Melissa, can you touch for just a minute on, cause you've mentioned your kids have moved up, you know, grown up and moved out and, um, your, your life with family, how the support system around you has helped to facilitate your life as an artist, because I know you have a lot of amazing support. And also because you do have ADHD, you're unique in this way. So what does the support system look like, look like for you? Well, and the support system is critical, and I know there's people out there that just don't have it. Um, so it's it is difficult, um, but that's that's something. Then I would suggest you join you join courses and like minded. You seek out the like minded individuals mm-hmm. in your home. Then if you don't if you don't have them, you know, like mm-hmm. a partner. I am so lucky that my husband of 27 years is a brilliant creative as well. So he's a, but more in the woodworking department. He's a construction uh, carpenter and a timber framer. He has a ton of skills. So that supports me tremendously because he is able to, is there's a point that I get to that I need a an armature or an understructure that's it's really more, you know, hammer and nails kind of thing, which I can do. I have the skills. I just, yeah, you know, oh, no. there's no dopamine in that for me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are the jobs <laughs> I want to pass off, you know, to hubby and he yeah. supports me with his heart and soul. So he always is available and ready to build me whatever I need and that elevates my art Uh, without it it wouldn't be the same and that's that's just there's no getting around that um if you have someone in your life with with skills it adds obviously right Mm -hmm. to your ability to to put out quality pieces of work Uh, but not everyone needs that you know I'm talking sculpture so not everyone needs that kind of support, but I do and I have it. So I feel very, very lucky. Yes. And that's support in the skills, but there's also the support in, in all of the loved ones around you understanding how you tick and yeah. that oh, you need space and yeah, that you need to create and you need to make a mess support. and you need to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like there's yeah, just support just in the mess making. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
That's, that knows yeah. that, okay, mom's in her zone, you know, like don't bug her, you know, because <laughs> I get the hyper focus, right? That's very much part of ADHD. And I, I will work 16 hours a day on something and I won't eat or pee or, you know, it's yeah. just awful. <laughs> it's not healthy, but it's how I tick. And everyone in my family is also ADHD. So we all get it. We, we know, mm-hmm. um, but they know that And my husband's so tolerant and supportive of that. Cause he yeah. knows I'm a, I'm hyper-focused. There's nothing that's going to break that until I am physically drop of exhaustion yeah. Or, yeah. or run out of materials, whichever comes first. Yeah. I'm thinking back to a time when in the puppetry, you actually purchased a truck, a puppet truck. And so this is one of the things about Melissa that I'd love to just paint a picture of here is like this woman knows how to grab a hold of her ideas and make them happen. And you do the most interesting things. And so tell me just in closing, we do need to wrap it up, but like, what are some of those, these most interesting things that you've ever done? You, you've had a puppet truck where you took around puppet making supplies at kids' birthday parties and you have done just really interesting things. Just give us a couple, give us a couple more. You know what? The puppet uh, business, I think, um, is my proudest achievement. Uh, It doesn't, I don't want to confuse any listeners that it uh, equates to financial success. We're not going to go down that road. But it uh, it does, I'm so proud. I, I developed that puppet company from scratch, from the idea percolating in my brain um, to making it happen and then physically making it. I spent a year researching clay. One year I devoted to So let's interject this into one of these interesting things about Melissa. And the reason we're sharing it on the Bold Artist Podcast is to inspire you, to inspire you to get out of your boxes, create, play, think bigger, because this woman knows how to do this. But Melissa has a secret clay recipe that she doesn't tell a soul. And it like doesn't crack when it dries. She makes this and she implements it into her puppetry and her artwork. But like you researched and created this clay like a scientist until you found the perfect formula and you keep it under lock and key. I do. I do. I'm actually worried because so I don't even have it written down and my memory <gasps> is, is bad. <laughs> well, you need to put it in a safety deposit box and leave it like, yeah, will I better, it, will I it. better get it written down. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my luck. I forget my own recipe. But yes, I did. And it, it it's critical in everything I do. Um, and when I release things on the internet, I'm noticing more and more. There's millions of clays out there. There's some fabulous clays out there. Mm-hmm. But the, the specific recipe that I developed is, um, is something that I'm realizing people are really struggling to find out what I've done. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you know, I really at first did plan on marketing it, but realistically, I've got, again, I know myself and I know that probably isn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, it is something I keep tight to me because I'm really proud of it. I I took a lot of time and energy to develop it. And over time, it's just proven itself more and more and more. And I'm able to do sculptures that other people can't because of the weight of my clay. Also, um, the, you know, you made it lightweight. Correct. And then, yeah. you know, there's always 
pros and cons of, of every medium, as we know, right? So um, most lightweight clays, send, send, then they don't take texture as well, or they, they go puffy when they dry, or they crack, or they need to be sealed. All these different uh, components that make up every, every different type of clay out there. I'm very, very proud to have made one that um, it doesn't dry out, it doesn't crack, it doesn't shrink, mm. and it's lightweight and it holds detail. So I'm able to do some of the things I'm doing, um, whereas other people are really struggling. When I put a picture out on the internet, they're always after me to try and figure out, what did you use? How is that, why? And I'm just like, mm, like you know, I don't want to be that well, person Well, here's the thing, what you, can, what you can give to them, the secret that you can give to them, if you're not ever going to give your recipe is you can give to them the secret of play. Mm -hmm. And you can say, here's what I can tell you. If you play enough, if you experiment enough, you're going to solve your problems. You're going to move through your blocks and you've got to love the play and making the mess as much as you love making the art. That's your secret. That's your secret that sauce. Is. We came up with that in episode. But in the, you the, helped pull episode. it out of me. See, I didn't yeah. know what it was at first. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can tell them, I can't give you my recipe for the clay, but I can give you the recipe for play. <gasps> That rhymes. Oh, uh, there we go. My new slogan. <laughs> That's amazing. So anyway, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on uh, today's episode and also in episode one. You've been such a delight to have on the Bold Artist podcast. And everyone can see the description boxes in the show notes for Melissa's link. You are really active. It, it appears to me you're really active posting things on your Facebook. You've got a website and... Everyone can look you up and see the amazing history of your work from uh, all of these characters and puppets, headdresses to large scale sculptures that are just mind blowing. And what do you have on the go right now in closing? What do you have on the go oh. on your table? Well, I know you have multiple tables, but the one in front of you, what's what's on the go? Well, I, I'm actually, my new uh, fixation is um, I want to make the full gowns and costumes to go with the headpieces that I'm oh, currently making. Perfect. But as you know, I said I don't have a, a relationship with a sewing machine. So I'm learning how to fabricate sort of ball gowns without yeah. sewing. So it's a huge challenge. Huge oh, that's challenge. amazing. Well, everyone can find Melissa on her socials and her website and see how that turns out. <laughs> Let's see what she comes up to go with her headdresses. Melissa Nasby, thank you so much for being on the Bold Artist Podcast. I had a blast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Bold Artist Podcast. You can find all of our links in the description box and show notes. Make sure that you're on our newsletter list. You can get on that list at boldschool.com to find out all of our current news happenings, what's going on in the Bold School community and in our online classes. We'd love to see you in the community. We have a vibrant online space where there is mentorship, challenges, critiques, growth as an artist together. We work together at Bold School to get better at both skill and being a wholehearted artist. Make sure to check out all our links and get involved today. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, keep creating.